Uh, we're going to just dive in here this morning. I want to start with a story. And uh, 10 years ago, I was in Popoyo, Nicaragua. And Nicaragua, uh, Central America, I was down there with a group of friends, and we got to travel down there to work at a missions house. And this home uh, where we stayed, there were six of us, and we worked every day at this local library. We taught music lessons. We taught English lessons. It was an incredible summer there, uh, being able to pour into this community. But what I loved most about Popoyo, Nicaragua, is they had one of the world-class waves in the world there. All right? <clears throat> so my mom knew that, you know, I was, I was trying to sell this whole trip that I was going down there to, to be this awesome Christian. But she's like, Ethan, you can't fool me. We know why you're going down there. <laughs> and so I was going down there, and there's this spot called the Popoyo Reef Break, which is, it's the wave, okay? It is like the ultimate. I've always dreamed of surfing this wave, and I wasn't quite at that skill yet, but I'd kind of finally, at the end of the summer, built the courage. I was going to go out there, and I went with one of the surf instructors who was also worked at this church, and I led worship with him there. And he was a Nicaraguan local, but he was actually from Brazil. So we're out paddling out to this wave, and in that moment, uh, I will never forget this story, okay? This guy looks at me, and he says, Ethan, he says, do you know what the first thing you have to decide is when you see this wave coming? And I'm like, uh, I have no idea. He's like, the first thing you have to decide is, do you want it? Do you want it? He says, because if you want it, you have to go for it. He says, you can't let fear hold you back. You have to go all in. He says, because if you don't, it's, it's a reef break. You can fall. It can hurt. He says, that's the problem in this life. He says, too many people, they don't know what they want. And he just paddles off. And I was like, that was one of the most profound things anyone's ever told me. And I started thinking about that through, through life and how common is that, that so many of us um, struggle with what do we want? Do you want it? And he asked, do you want it? You have to answer that question because you and I live in this world today where we're constantly told what we should want, right? We turn to media, we turn to friends, they're telling you should do this or you should try this. And we're going through this life told what we should want um, and as we look back on this year, and we're heading into a new year, uh, guys, let's just start back in January, okay? We had our goals. We had all the things we wanted to happen for 2020, and how many of those things actually happened, right? We were hit with a huge uh, curveball that came in, and then from there, God began to work on all of us. We started this series on The Secret Place this year. It's been so powerful, talking about how God wants to meet with us. And from there, we started to talk about priests. And wow, that has changed our lives, that we are here to bless people, to minister to God, to steward meeting places, to host his presence this year that we've been going through. So now as we end 2020, can we get a round of applause for that? <laughs> we have this first Sunday of Advent on hope. What are we hoping for? What are we longing for? What do we want? What should we want? How do we prepare our hearts for this new year that's coming? And so I uh, was reminded there's this passage of scripture that I just read. comes from Hebrews 10, uh, verse 38. It says, my righteous ones will live from my faith. 
But if fear holds them back, my soul is not content with them. But we are certainly not those who are held back by fear and perish. We are among those who have faith and experience true life. Now listen to this. Now faith brings our hopes. Okay, you guys say that with me. Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things, say this with me, we long for. So I want to read that last verse. So now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. I want to stop right there. What is it in this life that you and I long for? See, God has created you and I, and we've heard this verse so many times that he has plans for us to prosper us, to give us a hope and a future, and that God wants to give us dreams. He wants to give us vision. He wants to implant things in us that we begin to long for and things we can never dream of on our own. And as we journey towards these dreams, everyone around us may think, what in the world are you doing? Why are you going after these different things? And we pursue them and we step out in faith, journeying along the way towards the things we long for. And so every year we, we create these goals and I today am not preaching a sermon on goals. I just want to put that out there. Nothing wrong with goals, but I think every year, as we can start preparing for the next year, we can write our list of goals. Goals is what I want to accomplish. Today, I want to talk about dreams. Dreams come from God, and these are things that God wants to accomplish with me. You guys with me? Okay, uh, let's pray together, and let's dive into this. Lord, I just thank you so much for this morning. Lord, I thank you that you are today going to unlock some amazing truths in our lives about what we should begin to hope for, what we should begin to long for. Lord, you have placed a heart in every person in this room, every person watching. And Father, we are here today to minister to you, to worship you. And so I pray that this word would begin to unravel in us as we learn more and more who we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith living within us, it would be impossible to please God. I love this verse because you and I, we've been talking about our role as priests, and one of our roles is to minister to God. You guys remember this? We minister to the Lord when we have faith for something. Without faith, It is impossible for you and I to please him. So what does that mean exactly? That means that when God gives us a vision in our life, that we journey towards it, it shows him how much we trust him, we love him, we know him, and this becomes so pleasing to him. And so today we're going to tackle a story. If you have your Bible, uh, open it up to Hebrews 11. We're going to be journeying throughout that today. If you have notes, I want to encourage you to write these things down Uh, I just found it so effective as we write these things down, how it just implants in our mind. And I truly believe God wants to speak this to you today. So if you have notes, today's message is entitled Dreamers and Psalmist. Say that with me. Dreamers and Psalmist. Okay, how do these two things go together? And I am so excited about this message. In fact, about a year ago, I renamed our staff 
uh, group text for our My Worship team. We are now dreamers and psalmists. And so we've been walking uh, with this group text title now for almost a year because this is what God has continued to reveal to us. And I think he wants to reveal this to us as we journey on. This is a role of a priest. And as we continue in this mindset, as we end this year and start this new year, God's gonna unlock this in us. So today, uh, we're gonna start with the story of Abraham. I'm gonna ask you, Dad, would you kick us off with some scripture? I can do that. <clears throat> Hebrews 11.8 says, Faith motivated Abraham to obey God's call and leave the familiar to discover the territory he was destined to inherit from God. So he left with only a promise and without even knowing ahead of time where he was going. Abraham stepped out in faith. Okay, so Hebrews 11, what's so cool is it has a a condensed version of Abraham's life, okay, in this passage. But now we're going to jump to John Mark and to Genesis where there's actually uh, 22 chapters of Abraham's life. We're going to just tackle five verses here starting in chapter 12. Gotcha. Genesis 12, 1 through 5 says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran, I believe. (laughs) He told his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, he took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. We have a 75-year-old man catch a vision for God from what God is leading him to do. Do you think that the end of the year was coming and Abraham sat down to write his goals, right? He said, this next year, I want to take all of my possessions and all my family and set out to a land that I don't own. No, that's no way that's going to ever be what we want. But what's so beautiful about this story is that Abraham created space to dream. And so this is point one today that I want us to catch. Write this down. Abraham created space to dream. Abraham was in a position where he wasn't saying, God, this is what I want to do now in Jesus' name. Make it happen. (laughs) He was in a space where he created. He said, God, what is it you want to do through me in my life? See, as we end this year, this is so crucial as we begin to position our heart for 2021 that you and I begin to create space God, what is it you want to do? And I can guarantee you, Abraham would have never dreamed in a million years that I'm gonna take my family at 75 years of age and set out into a distant land, a place that I don't own, and God, you are leading. So he had space to catch a vision, and God was clear. He said, Abraham, this is what I want for your life. Uh, As we we continue on, I want you, Mom, to read verse 9. As we continue in the story, it just gets better. He lived by faith as an immigrant in his promised land as though it belonged to someone else. Okay, Griffin, read that for us in the Genesis. Yep, verse uh, 6 in chapter 12 says, Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Okay, so we see... 
the Canaanites were in the land that God told him. So the point to today that I want you guys to catch is that he moved into the land. Abraham, at 75 years of age, was promised that God was going to build a nation, that the descendants that were going to come from him, these are the descendants of the 12 tribes of Israel. This is what we've been learning about the priests, that God had given him a vision for his life. And can you imagine what his family and friends began to say as this man moved into someone else's territory? Can you imagine if God promised you a piece of property that someone owned and you just took all of your possessions and you moved into the land? People say, what are you doing? This is crazy. But this man had a vision from God and he began to journey towards it. And I I imagine that for your life and for mine. What can it look like this year when God gives a vision for you in your life of this is what I want you to do? Something you could never dream up. But this is something I'm calling you to do this next year. In that place, the first step is for us to move into that, move towards that every day to take a step towards that. And as we took a step towards that, we continue to see his journey unfold. Uh, Mom, continue to read the second part of Hebrews 11:9. He journeyed through the land living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, who were persuaded that they were also co-heirs of the same promise. I love this. So thirdly, if you can write this down, God brought co-heirs of the dream into his life. God brought people to help Abraham along his journey. This next year, God wants to bring co-heirs into your life. Now, this is what's incredible about this. Do you know who Isaac and Jacob were? Isaac is Abraham's son. Jacob is Isaac's son. So what's so beautiful about this, parents in the room, catch this, is that Abraham brought his children and his grandchildren on the journey that God had called him to. So powerful. I'll never forget, as a 12-year-old boy, my dad coming to me and saying, God has given me a vision. Everything was great in Tennessee. Life was good. (laughs) And you said, God's given me a vision to go to a distant land, that we're going to go to Florida, Clearwater Beach, uh, which you know now doesn't sound so bad, but as a 12-year-old kid who has your whole life and your, you know, why are you, I kicked and screamed the whole way down. But as soon as we got here, yeah, as soon as we got here, I started to see God's plan unfold, why we were here, the chaos that was here, and how God had brought us here for a specific reason. And you can tell a 12-year-old boy that God has plans for your life. But then when you experience your father say, I have a dream of what God's calling me to do, and then you experience God begin to provide, you don't just know mentally that God has a plan for your life, you experience it. And that's what happened into my life. And so I wanna speak into your parents today that your kids aren't supposed to sit on the sidelines to the things that God's calling you to this next year. You're not supposed to call the babysitter and leave him at home so that you can go and pursue what God's called you to do. He's created you to be a family so that you can bring your children along the journey with you. And as you bring your kids along, they begin to experience, wow, God is moving, God is working, so that now it's my role to step up and say, okay, I'm not... I'm supporting your vision, but now I'm awakening to what is my vision for my life. 
And my son and my children will awaken to what their vision is because of one person deciding to step out in faith. I love that. We're going to continue. Joy, would you read Hebrews sure. 11, 10 through 12? Hmm. His eyes of faith were set on the city with unshakable foundations, whose architect and builder is God himself. Sarah's faith embraced God's miracle power to conceive, even though she was barren and was past the age of childbearing. For the authority of her faith rested in the one, the one who made the promise, and she tapped into his faithfulness. In fact, so many children were subsequently fathered by this aged man of faith, one who was as good as dead, that he now has offspring as innumerable as the sand on the seashore and as the stars in the sky. It's incredible. Uh, Fourth, write this down. When you begin to pursue God's vision, you move into the land, you become co-heirs, you bring people along with you, what happens is you experience the unimaginable. You and I experience, Abraham experienced God do things that he could never dream of. A 75-year-old man who never had a son, a 90-year-old, if you know the story, his wife was 90 years old when she conceived. That's impossible, but he experienced the impossible because he decided to take a step towards what God had led him to. And so you and I today, I wanna encourage you businessmen in the room, imagine this next year as we begin to hope, as we begin to long for what God wants to do in 2021. If you're not looking how everyone else around you is doing business, but you catch God's vision for how he wants to do it through you. Teachers in the room, can you imagine this year if you, you don't look how everyone else is teaching, but you catch a vision for how God wants to do it. In your workplace, in your home, parents, you know, it's so easy to imitate, oh, how this is what I'm trying with my kids. This is what, if you catch what God's vision is for you to parent your children for 2021, you will begin to experience God do the unimaginable. I wanna ask some questions here to my friends. I'm gonna start with you, Amos. Uh, talk to me about this. What has walking by faith uh, done in, in your life. Why is this so important? Wow. Uh, so I think back to January of 2018, my wife and I were doing a corporate fast with our church at the time. Was it this church? Was another church? And we were in full-time ministry and we're doing this corporate fast. And on day one of the fast, we hear from the Lord that it's our time to leave this church. And I mean, everything is going fine. I mean, my department's growing. We're loving the people. And um, I remember just that feeling of, have we heard the Lord? Mm. Um, I think that's the piece where we've had to exercise our faith the most is, I think I've heard from God, but have I really heard from God? And we had to walk through this journey for a few months. It was months worth of a transition, tried to make everything as smooth as possible. We had no idea where we were going, by the way. We just resigned and we had no idea what was next and put all our stuff in storage. And I remember the day that we were going to sign the paperwork that said, we don't have a home here anymore. We're going somewhere else. In that moment that I'm going to sign the paperwork, I get a phone call. And that phone call was from Harborside Christian Church, who had no idea about anything that we were doing. And it was just totally a God thing. But that was the piece. Have I heard from God? And that's where we needed to put our faith, that we did hear from the Lord. So good. I think what's been cool over the past five, six years, you've become a little more honest about your story, which I've so appreciated because that has taught me so many lessons. And so would you share a couple of those faith journey stories for you? Yeah, I, I liked what Amos just said because it builds trust. 
And so you start off, and I was a 14-year-old boy, and I heard God call me to give my life to him. That was a big step of faith at age 14. So if you're a high schooler, if you're online, you're watching at home, dial in because he's going to call you to give your life to him. But then at 18 was another story where I was going to Purdue to do radio and television because I wanted to be a sports announcer. You're 18. Who wants to be a preacher when you're 18, right? I, I want to do something exciting, you know, travel the world and do sports. But I heard God's call, and I was like a fish out of water. I had a different set of skills, but now I go to a college where they're fourth and fifth and sixth generation pastors. And I'm not. I'm like a first generation. But as we continue to go through life, we can trust him. And so it's like seven years ago, I went to Charlie Babcock, and I told him, our our late chairman, I said, God's given us a vision to build a wedding chapel. And the co-heir part a minute ago, was he then started putting people around that vision. It wasn't just God gave it to me. He gave it to our elders and to Charlie and to Dean McSpadden. And then I think about this, and I want you to know this tidbit, because we're still going to build a brand new worship center out here. And what's so amazing about this is we're not even talking about it. And a few private people have come, people privately have come to me, and this year we now have $2.2 million in the bank for the Let's Make Him Famous campaign. That's crazy. That's amazing in a pandemic, and we're not even talking about it. And so you see when God's in it, it builds your faith. And so... I think at this point, we have a whole lot more faith than we did at 23 and 20 because we he's proven himself trustworthy. Yeah, I love that because everyone around us is saying, why do we need to focus on building a building when we can hardly meet? Everyone's saying this is crazy, right? <laughs> but God has told you to do something, and that's what I love as we continue to, to journey into the unknown. Uh, so how do you and I journey into the unknown in our life? Okay, if this was a record, this was part A. We're going to flip it over now, and this is part B to the sermon. This is psalmist. And why is becoming a psalmist so incredibly important? Okay, the opposite of a psalmist, if you can write this down, is a pessimist. So many of you in your life know pessimist, right? And the opposite of why is this, the opposite is when God gives someone a vision, we know who the pessimists are in our life. They begin to speak lies and fear into why that could never happen. But the spirit of a psalmist knows who their God is and chooses to worship along the journey of life. And so the first point today that I want to share of psalmists is, uh, is that when you and I can sing our song when he trusts you with a vision. This is our point one today. As a psalmist, we must learn to sing your song when he trusts you with the vision. This year, as we create space for God to give us his heart for 2021, he will do that. And as he does that, we then begin to sing our song. And we're gonna talk about what that looks like. Uh, John Mark, read Genesis 12, seven through eight here for us. Sorry, I was writing notes. Okay, cool. Genesis 12, 7 and 8 says, The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the, on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. 
I love this. So this is right at the beginning. Okay, we just read earlier chapter, verses one through five when God gives him the vision. Now verses six through eight, immediately after God gives him a vision to go off, a 75-year-old man to go off, what does he do? He decides to build an altar and worship the Lord. The first thing that you and I do is become a psalmist the moment God gives you something. You know why this is so important? Because God has chosen you with this vision. What an honor that God has given you a dream for this next year. What an honor that God has trusted you with something. And so in that point, he didn't, you know, boast to all his friends, you know, I'm the 75-year-old man and look at me with my faith. No, he knew in humility how important it was to build an altar and in that moment begin to worship the Lord. So when God gives you a vision, it's so important that we begin to sing our song. Uh, Amos, read this. This is right after this, Genesis 15, one through two. Yeah, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. Okay, so we see here, Abram was not a perfect person. He was just like, okay, God, I'm just going to trust you along the way. When God told him as a 75-year-old man, how is this going to happen? What I love in that verse is that was worship. He poured his heart out to God. He says, God, I don't know how you're going to do this. I'm going to be honest with you. I have no clue how this is going to work. And there's such beauty to that. There's such beauty. If you read the Psalms, right, you see David, his story. In one moment, he's like, God, you're the best thing that ever happened. In the next moment, he's like, I have no idea how I'm going to survive today. And in the next moment, he's like, God, you're so good. And I, and I love that because we get an insight into this man's heart that you and I, as we begin to journey along, that we have to learn, secondly, to sing your song when you can't see the outcome. This is so important. This is when our faith comes into play, that we have to learn, secondly, to sing our song when we can't see the outcome, when it doesn't make sense as we journey towards us. God, I'm 75-year-old. How are you going to give me a son right now? You know what? I'm going to pour my heart out to you. I can't figure it out, but I am going to journey. And what's so cool, God gives him a son. And then what happens? God tells him to sacrifice his son. And in that first point, in that first moment, we see worship in the Bible. The first time we hear the word worship is when Abraham chooses to give up what God had promised him because he trusted, it says, that God would bring his son back to life. And I, this man's faith was incredible. And uh, as we continue on, when God brought Isaac, Jacob to be co-heirs, point three today is we have to learn, you and I, to sing your song when he surrounds you with people. This year, we have to sing your song when he surrounds you with the people, the co-heirs of the dream that God's going to bring in your life, the friends, the people, the family. It's in that moment, okay? I have learned that I can invite everyone around me to be a part of a dream, and I can say, support what I want to do, which is really pointing the direction on me. But when I can bring my co-heirs 
and say, this is God's vision, let's worship him together. What happens in that moment is power happens. Unity happens when you bring your kids on your journey and say, God has given us, now we're gonna choose to worship him. When you bring your friends along with the vision that God has given you, he says, this is not mine, this is God's. We learn to worship him. And then lastly, point four, we have to learn to sing your song when you experience God do the imaginable. We saw Abraham through his whole journey of life worshiping the Lord. And so this spirit of a psalmist is so crucial through our, our journey of life. We cannot become pessimists in 2021, amen? amen? We have experienced enough pessimism to last a lifetime this year. The hope that you and I have to carry this next year is so crucial. And worship is the key that brings us to this place, that we can begin to, one, position ourselves to hear from the Lord, create space in our life, then we begin to journey through this. That's when we worship. I can't figure this out, God. I have no idea how this is gonna happen. Abraham at 75, I, I'm gonna choose to worship. When he brings the people in your life, the co-heirs, we worship. And lastly, when we experience God do the unimaginable, we worship. And so what does being a psalmist look like? So many times we think being a psalmist is being a songwriter. Uh, but what I wanna, uh, I'm gonna start with you, Griffin. I'm not saying you can't sing, and I'm not saying you can't write songs, but uh, we, we haven't seen you do it yet on the stage. So what does being a psalmist, and why is it so important to be a psalmist? What does this mean to you? Well, the, the thing that stood out to me the most was the idea of co-heirs, and the more you talk about this, the more it sinks into me, and I've really been convicted by this as a leader and as a parent. There's so much on the line around us there's so much impact we can make simply by choosing to have faith, choosing to pray, choosing to worship when it's confusing. I've watched my wife do this with our kids. We'll just stop and we'll pray. Something happens. It's confusing. It's not the easy thing or, or whatever. We get to show them what it means to pursue God. And the weight of that is actually exciting is I don't have to choose pessimism because I have something greater to trust and I think God uses that way more than we realize when we choose faith and we choose worship. I think it spills over because the world is looking for something to have hope in. Our families are looking for something to believe in and to have hope in that's far greater than this world. And we truly get to be the image bearers of Christ that get to operate that way. And so I love the co-heirs part of this mm. because it spills over to everyone around us. Now, Joy, share a little bit what this sure. impacts you. Oh, Ethan, I am guilty of wanting to copy. Mm. You know, um, wanting to sing the song that the person beside me wrote or wanting to write the words and say the prayer that I found online. <laughs> you know, I'm guilty of wanting to copy and maybe someone in the room can relate or maybe someone online can relate. But we weren't made to copy we were made to create, right? Mm -hmm. Created to create. And so as God has given us individual vision, which is what you were talking about, we have to write our individual psalm. Mm. And maybe some of us can sing it because the stickiness of a song lasts forever. But maybe some of us need to just proclaim it and just write it. So I'm going to try to create, not copy. 
That's good. Share something with this mom. Yeah, I think as a psalmist, Ethan, I have learned that a big part of that is writing down. I know that David says, pour out your heart. Um, and even in Jeremiah, Jeremiah says, pour out your heart like water on behalf of your children. And I have learned that journaling is a way that I can be a psalmist. And this is actually something I started as a, a child. And so I want to encourage any of those elementary age that may be watching this morning, start early. Write down your dreams. As you said, Ethan, give space for God to speak. And when you write down, God, I don't know how you're going to do this. I don't know how you're going to accomplish this. When I poured out my thoughts and my prayers for my children and I lined it beside a scripture, I would say, Lord, I don't know how you're going to bring this about in their lives. I don't know how you're going to change them, how you're going to provide, how you're going to direct them the path that you have for them, the spouse that you have for them. He would always answer in some way. And the coolest thing, the most beautiful thing is when you go back and look at your journal and you remember, it's like God catapults me as a psalmist um, from fear, concern, um, question into praise and just confidence that, that he will do immeasurably more. So I would I would say becoming a journal someone who journals as yeah. a psalmist. Yeah, we look at at the book of Psalms and it is one big journal to you and I of a man who poured his heart out and he experienced God over and over and over do the unimaginable. About three years ago, uh, we as a worship team went and led in Ohio, and somehow uh, two people had to drive the equipment all the way up there and back. And I drew, drew the, the, the short straw, and uh, me and a buddy were the drivers. And I, I'm not, I'm just joking. It, was, it wasn't all that bad. They flew up, and I'll never forget, this was one of my close friends. I thought I knew him really well. But when you have 16 hours in a car from Cleveland, Ohio, back to Tampa, Florida, you really get to know someone. It was on this journey that I got to know my friend like I had never known him before. And I wanna encourage you guys this year, as you begin to journey with God, some of you may be going to church your entire life, and if you never caught God's dream, and why is this so important? Because when we catch his dream and we begin to journey with him, we get to know him like no one else. You sit in a car ride with someone for 16 hours and you know them. When this next year, as you begin to journey with God, experiencing him, experience him move, experience him lead you and guide you, you get to know his heart. 